schools, colleges, and even neighbors. The time clock seems confusing. They cannot understand between the long arm and the short arm in a clock or in a watch. And sometimes the sundowning starts right away. Sundowning is confusion at sunset because the sun is waning. And so people are more confused about day and night times. And sometimes not, time of the day, week, etc., becoming more becomes more challenging. And they, they have to be told or reminded again and again. So there's a lot more reminders that have to be done at this stage of dementia. They also forget to dress appropriately, and sometimes they might people might start wandering out in the cold weather without any jacket or in the summertime. I had some patients who used to come in the summertime in my office and they would wear a, a winter jacket. And it was interesting, but it was their dementia and they didn't want to change. And change is very hard uh, for dementia patients um, or patients with dementia, I would rather you know, say it. So um, they also need more cueing for simple things like you know, do this, do that, you know, eat your meals, take your medications and so on. They start having urinary and bowel problems as well, incontinence, so they have to start wearing diapers, they are ashamed of going out in the public. They become more isolated, depressed, anxious, so on, and angry also. And this might also affect sleep patterns. And they either become more somnolent with sleeping more hours because they're depressed. And by the way, sleeping too much can be a sign of depression. Or sleeping less can also be a sign of depression. And or insomnia. Uh, and early morning awakening, uh, psychotic behaviors, um, do occur more frequently during sundowning. Moderate and severe stages can overlap and do overlap frequently, and it's seen as a continuation of the moderate to severe stage. People become more suspicious, delusional, illusional, irritable, uh, repeat behaviors like constantly walking, uh, thrashing, you know, throwing things, like those kind of repetitive motions. While dementia progresses in years, for some it's unfortunately at a very rapid rate. So though we say it may um, last about a few years to about a decade or more, in some cases it's uh, pretty steep. And I have had a patient who literally, this was a patient about 13 years ago and he literally declined within a span of three years from coming to our office all the way to being bedbound and he finally passed away. And he was very early onset. So he had onset at just 56 years of age. And he had passed away by the time he was 60 years of age. So while dementia progresses in years, so this is the story. Um, so in the later stages of dementia, a person becomes more and more dependent on his health and care. So he's becoming more dependent and needs a caregiver, sometimes hourly, sometimes few more hours. And then it progresses to a 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And ultimately, they become bed-bound, uh, they can no longer walk, no longer use a cane, wheelchair, walker, nothing works, and they're completely tied to their beds and dependent. They are unable to converse or communicate with anyone. They remain more non-social. They do not respond to the environment or any stimuli. And flight or fight reaction is lost and may pose a danger to themselves or others. I forgot to mention that a driving test must be taken when first diagnosed. 
since dementia even at moderate stages or even mild stages might not be so obvious in some people but may affect the driving capabilities or their uh, reactionary times to a noise or a horn or uh, a siren or something like that. Uh, so their flight and fight reaction is also uh, declining. And so they may be posing a da danger to others in this way as well. Um, so um, healthcare professionals are obligated to report this and make sure the person has a valid driver's license since they can pose a harm to themselves or others, even within city driving, you know, driving within lower um, speed limits or even short distance driving. As memory and cognitive skills decline, a person might become more confused and become withdrawn also. I have seen people who have been so withdrawn, they would not like to even, you know, even talk to their own families um, and they just want to be left alone. All sorts of concerns arise at this stage. Is this depression? Is it dementia? Is it personality? And is it just independence? Are they looking for solitude? Are they soli isolated? Uh, and so on. Um, and then, of course, the care becomes more intense because mental health challenges uh, are a real issue. Some people require 24-hour assistance, while others need only a few hours. Most people are cared uh, for by their families around the world. But as our world is rapidly changing and job security is more important, and as children and grandchildren leave their nests, and um, and there is no mixed families, um, uh, we have uh, no choices for elderly um, where they want to live, retire, and get care. And that is what uh, Mahiga is all about. We are all about our elderly and their families, where they want the elderly to live, retire, and live so that they can enjoy cozy living and life's simple pleasures, even if they have cognitive decline. And uh, these communities are usually called memory care communities, where dementia care is provided, or care is provided for people with cognitive decline. Most will have lost awareness of what is happening in their own families, environment, community, neighborhood. And hence, security is very important. At this time, wandering can trigger elderly to go wandering anywhere at any time. And as they decline, this becomes quite challenging. Person might stop walking, talking, sitting, and will eventually become bedbound. Communication is completely stalled for some. So they kind of become aphasic. There's no communication activity. And including the speech. So swallowing is affected, so they can have difficulty in swallowing now because speech and communications go together hand in hand. These symptoms and incidence uh, rates vary within a given geography and no two people are alike. So the takeaway is not to generalize this, but instead be aware of what is to come and what we must be looking out for. We have discussed most, but not all today in this uh, podcast. Great resources can be found at your own country's dementia organizations, societies, etc. Dr. Purnima, what are the causes of dementia? Good question, Shruti. Um, with the onset of environmental pollution, air pollution, water pollution, soil pollution, everything, forest, plants, anything, fast food, packaged food, TV dinners or canned food, 
and everything in the palm of one's hand. The powers of dementia might be more than we knew before. Uh, there were those old uh, causes of dementia, but then now we have a new society and a new world, so the causes will be much more um, multifactorial. While there, uh, there might be a genetic component uh, like familial dementias, Alzheimer's dementias, or familial Alzheimer's. Um, there's also Huntington's um, and other conditions. Uh, here are some of them, uh, but not in any ascending or descending order. Uh, so age of the person is important, though memory loss is not a normal part of aging. But with concurrent comorbid risk factors, you know, one might have dementia as a symptom, example, HIV, end-stage renal disease, patients on dialysis, diabetic patients, patients with liver disease, secondary to cirrhosis, alcoholism, immunity uh, diseases, uh, immunocompromised states, cancers. Cancers can cause dementia in many ways. Cancer itself from the treatments um, due to the new side effects, nutritional problems, metastases, or spreading of the cancer to other parts of the body, and so on. Family history can contribute as well. Most people are diagnosed with dementia after 65, and the rate increases to almost a third of the population when the people reach an age of 85 years and over. Alzheimer's is one of the biggest causes of dementia, followed by vascular or stroke-related and previously titled multi-infarct dementia. Parkinson's disease is one of them, Huntington's frontal lobe or Pick's disease, Scheidrager syndrome, dementia of Lewy bodies, or trauma, trauma to the brain via head injury, falls, uh, especially seen in uh, boxers and football players, and they're called dementia pugilistica. Hypertension or uncontrolled high blood pressure leading to dementia from vascular dementia. Some have mixed dementia. That means people can have Alzheimer's and vascular together, or people can have Parkinson's and vascular together, and so on. There's also Kruzfeldt Jakob disease, and now uncommon. It's also called mad cow disease. Infections and immune disorders like multiple sclerosis, component of other neurological conditions uh, stemming from stroke as well, metabolic conditions, um, lots of genetic diseases, Fabry's disease, Down syndrome, endocrine diseases like thyroid, uh, diabetes, uh, etc. In fact, a scenario I remember very clearly about 16 years ago when a patient was admitted to a nursing home or skilled nursing facility after short hospitalization. She had been hypothyroid for a very long time and unknown if she was ever diagnosed or had missed her medications. She was overweight, very forgetful, had a hoarse voice and dry skin. And as she recovered with uh, rehab and medications, it was such a joy to see her like go home much better than when she had first arrived. And though her memory did not completely recover, she was able to go to her own baseline and function and enjoy living in a senior living community for quite a while. Um, I will always remember this patient because she was a classic hypothyroid patient and hypothyroid dementia. Vitamin B12 and folate deficiencies can also trigger especially the gait as well as lack of, you know, lack of water intake, for example, dehydration can cause it. Vitamin B1 deficiency, B6, B12, as I mentioned, and copper, vitamin E deficiency can also trigger this thing. B12 especially because it triggers so many other conditions like 
pernicious anemia and the subacute sub degeneration of the spinal cord. That means demalination of the neurons or the neurons getting wasted or the nerve cells getting wasted in such a way that it affects the gait of the person, the physical abilities of the person. Some of the side effects of the medications can also cause the abyss. Though they, be, uh, they may be very simple or subtle or not very, you know, very obvious, a good review of medications, especially in the elderly, is important. And following the Beers criteria is also very helpful. I did mention the Beers criteria a few, in a past episode of the podcast, but I will be mentioning in the future again um, in much more detail. Sometimes chronic bleeding in the brain from a fall, like a chronic subdural hematoma, might bring on memory loss. And it's always best to do a scan of the brain, at least once to begin with during the initial encounter, especially brain cancers. And um, one of the uncommon causes are NPH or normal pressure hydrocephalus. And uh, where there is, in other words, layman terms is like water in the brain or fluid accumulation in the brain. And these people usually need surgical intervention to drain the excess fluid and to you know uh, get a um, ventricular peritoneal shunt or a VP shunt, we call it, from the brain to drain it into the peritoneum. Uh, and it reminds me of my patient with a strange gait once a few years ago. And upon a scan, it revealed NPH and she underwent surgery, recovered, went into rehab and then did very well. And eventually she became wheelchair bound Though her NPH was very well controlled with her VP shunt, and her seizures uh, had eventually subsided. And in similar instance, uh, we had a patient who was diagnosed with dementia, and um, we did a CT scan only to find that she had uh, a brain cancer. Um, I think in this case, it was a glioblastoma multiforme and, and enveloping an entire half of her brain. So things can be very surprising. Other risk factors, um, including aging, also mentions family history and Down syndrome. Down syndrome patients um, are affected with dementia and can be an earlier onset as well, because usually the lifespan of Down syndrome is around 56 years. Some others uh, worth mentioning are, um, since they can be controlled by diet and exercises, uh, are about uh, diabetes, hypertension, um, alcoholism, so minimizing alcohol intake, um, completely stopping drug, uh, drug intakes, uh, drug abuse, decreasing or cutting off um, uh, uh, tobacco use, uh, taking care of mental health, especially depression is critical since depression can cause pseudo dementia or false dementia where People can sound like they are um, not remembering or not saying the right things, but once the depression is treated, they will revert to a, a certain baseline and their memory will return back. But this is only in the earlier stages, but if a time passes, it might lead to a permanent loss of um, you know, memory impairment. Uh, as our cities get crowded and technology takes over, I also believe air pollution in, does this, um, or does cause dementia in many, many ways, um, not just from the radiation or from the particles or particulate matter, but uh, smoke, uh, but also secondarily by affecting the heart, lungs, brain, liver, kidneys, and so on. 
Sleep disorders uh, are also an important factor, as I mentioned earlier, uh, causing depression or leading to uh, depression. And those people are at a great, um, greater risk or higher risk of developing dementia. So one of the things that I wanted to really comment, though um, I am going to make uh, quite a few pharmaceutical companies upset tonight, is that over-the-counter drugs like Tylenol PM or anything associated with Advil PM, um, or Benadryl, um, you know, or diphenhydramine or oxybutynin, um, any anticholinergics uh, can affect uh, mentation. These include uh, drugs that are used for even controlling urinary incontinence, uh, and so caution must be used in prescribing. Correct dosing must be used. People should be checked often for side effects. And also drug drug interactions must be monitored. And so these are some of the drugs that I would caution people uh, to use just randomly. Uh, sedatives, sleeping pills, and others are also risk factors. And uh, they must be uh, taken in the right amount for the right reason and avoided in the elderly as much as possible since they can not just trigger you know side effects through causing too much drowsiness but can also trigger falls so a lot of elderly fall down hit their head and get a brain bleed and then you know get a traumatic brain injury and then they get dementia from that and sometimes they don't survive so this is also an important issue to take into what are some risk factors of dementia? Yeah, great question. So we mentioned, you know, about the causes of dementia. The risk factors are mostly uh, man-made. So we can begin with saying safely um, that keeping one's mind active is important. Engaging in the right activities is also very critical. And engaging in positive activities is much more important. Age should never be a barrier to be active and live a cozy living and enjoy life's simple pleasures. It's important to state that an idle mind is not good. Rest and relaxation are important, and so is sleep, but should be the right amount. Oversleeping or somnolence or lack of or insomnia can be a risk factor for many health conditions. An afternoon nap is essential to get that burst of fresh energy, so never regret if you had a quick uh, nap in the afternoon. Taking care of our vascular health, preventing hypertension, decreasing salt in our uh, daily intake uh, through diet, cutting out carbohydrates, sugars, eating more a healthy diet, um, I mean refined sugars. Uh, fresh fruits are good because they contain fructose. Fresh vegetables are good and so on can be helpful in avoiding uh, many, many chronic uh, conditions like diabetes, heart disease, vascular disease, uh, peripheral vascular disease, renal disease, uh, liver disease, and so on. Alcohol abuse can lead to Wernicke's and encephalopathy. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, also uh, the Korsakoff psychosis, which are all part of alcohol-related dementia syndrome and must be avoided, uh, especially uh, hard liquor, I would suggest. Uh, wine, especially red wine in moderation is okay. And each, uh, please kindly check your country's tobacco and alcohol bureaus for what is legal limit in your country, what is the legal age for drinking and smoking in your country, and amounts allowed by your country's health regulating bodies. Because um, we might um, 
differ in this quite a bit, but ultimately alcohol, tobacco, and drugs do affect mentation or uh, affect our mental health. Taking a healthy diet, preventing vitamin, micro, and macronutrients. So I would suggest preventing like copper-related or zinc-related deficiencies, molybdenum or magnesium, etc., are also important. Uh, keeping cholesterol under control and hence preventing hypercholesterolemia, leading to atherosclerosis, which is otherwise called as clogging of the arteries um, or tightening or hardening of the arteries because of cholesterol deposition can have a major impact on our brain health. Keeping a positive attitude, seeking counseling, treatment for any depression, anxiety, mental health is important. It's not a stigma and should never be uh, to seek any type of help. Omega-3 in our diet, uh, eating fish, if not flaxseed, substitution for fish, uh, nuts, whole grains, eating um, whole grain bread versus, you know, white bread, um, and uh, fresh food, uh, you know, um, whole wheat, um, and so on is important. Sometimes visual impairment, hearing loss can be risk factors for dementia. About 12 years ago, I will um, share an example with you all. An elderly accompanied by her daughter-in-law came to her office. Uh, she had recently moved over to a senior living and they had wanted to get her checked out. As I began the visit, it became super clear quickly that she was extremely hard of hearing. And she failed the screening test for memory completely. Upon examination, uh, she, we found out she had a deep ear wax in both ears and she could not um, read uh, the signs on the visual testing um, on the screening. So we completed a comprehensive geriatric assessment and cleaned her ear wax and referred her for hearing evaluation, vision and scans and some blood testing. We found out she had significant hearing loss in both ears, got hearing aids, also got glasses for her eyesight. Her blood test showed vitamin B12, folate, and vitamin D deficiency, which is also a common thing when we are not exposing ourselves to sunlight and we might be more um, you know, in, under closed doors, uh, including anemia, which we treated as directed. Her CT scan showed nothing significant at the time. Over the course of six months, as we repeated the memory screening, she had recovered quite a bit and done much better uh, compared to the initial testing and could now remember much more and communicate better as well than during a first encounter together. A simple hearing aid had made such a big difference. Great family and patient, she eventually passed away about six years later under hospice care. Uh, it was also a great moment of learning for my staff and me what life simple pleasures meant. Hearing and vision are some of life simple pleasures as well because they can lead to cozy living. Hope this helps understand the value of self-care, timely and yearly annual health checkups, asking for help when necessary from a healthcare provider or a caregiver or your family member and so on. The more we seek answers, the more we build this world better. Dr. Purnima, what are the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia? Important question indeed, Shruti. To start off with Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia, 
um, they are one of the two kinds of causes of dementia. So the Alzheimer's um, story goes back to uh, Eloise Alzheimer 100 plus years ago. And it's a familiar story about how he discovered dementia in a, in a person. And if you're curious tonight, uh, you might want to read this. It's one of the commonest causes of dementia, of course. Alzheimer's uh, shows real changes in the brain of those affected. And we will not be going into those details, pathological changes, chemical changes, or going into deep medicine uh, today, as we are here for the general public. Alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging or not a part of normal aging. The symptoms of Alzheimer's uh, and, um, vary according to the stage of the disease and dementia. We did discuss those earlier in this podcast today. They include serious uh, memory loss, confusion, disorientation, mood and behavioral changes like anxiety, psychosis, sundowning, forgetting and confusing names, events, dates, people, surroundings, meals, place, family, friends, space, and so on. They become suspicious of their surroundings, people, including family, and hostile towards others, leading to difficulty in communication, speaking, speech, swallowing, walking, and any activity. They do not understand or have difficulty grasping that they seriously have a problem. And I saw this many times when upon diagnosis, the patient left our practice becoming suspicious of my diagnosis, though I was right in almost all cases. Such encounters can also be seen by families who are very frustrated and want to get the best care for the elderly, but the elderly refuse to get the care because they do not um, and cannot feel that something is wrong with them. So they try to argue with the people uh, that take care of them. And, uh, and it can happen vice versa too, when families are arguing with the patients or their elderly members with Alzheimer's and eventually realize instead of arguing it's best to redirect the attention their attention somewhere else rather than create an unpleasant scenario a chaos in the house you know and lots of fights um, so is reasoning it's best never to reason uh, with someone with cognitive impairment because you will just go round and round the bush you'll never come to the conclusion. Since symptoms include clouded judgment, apathy, and many times hostility, these are also symptoms of declining brain health. Some people have trouble with, with this memory loss as it affects activities of daily living, planning, solving tasks given to them or for them to do, completing a familiar or simple task, even, you know, tying up a shoe, shoes with shoelace, or, um, cleaning your uh, teeth every morning, brushing your teeth, or taking a shower and things like that. And um, they're also disoriented to time and place. Visual images and space become more confusing. So does photographic memory. Most lose their short-term memory first and soon long-term memory is affected as well as the dementia progresses or Alzheimer's progresses. Problems with writing, speaking, communicating affect people seriously. Repetition of questions is uh, a very important uh, symptom. Talking, uh, repeating words again and again, they may become more inflexible and more hesitant to try new things, forget about recent conversations or events, show poor reasoning in conversations and activities, impulsive or obsessive behaviors, 
delusions, some become aphasic and lose their speech, have frequent mood swings, agitation, illusions, and so on. Vascular dementia, on the other hand, is caused by repeated or major vascular events in the brain. The causes include stroke, embolic from a blood clot, or a hemorrhagic, that means bleeding in the brain due to any underlying causes. The causes of these are multifactorial, and most are not just primary, but could be secondary effects. And they include hypertension or uncontrolled high blood pressure, high cholesterol leading to clogging of arteries or atherosclerosis, hereditary conditions of the heart, vascular system, infections, atherosclerosis, arteriosclerosis or hardening of the arteries, heart disease from any causes. The underlying risk factors for heart disease could also be from uncontrolled diabetes, which is one of the biggest risk factors, in fact, from tobacco smoking, eating unhealthy food, and so on. Their brain might also suffer from tiny strokes or a massive stroke. The underlying causes can be similar. In this context, tobacco smoking any form, chewing, snorting, smoking, even hookah is one of the biggest causes of heart disease and it's completely changeable, reversible and correctable. In vascular dementia, forgetfulness is common first symptom and not so obvious as the person may have many other underlying causes or issues like diabetes, etc. The brain damage occurring from the lack of normal flow of blood in the brain can trigger different symptoms and depends on how much, what, and where of the brain is affected. So all these are related to your brain architecture, basically. This dementia causes confusion like the other dementias, trouble with focusing, concentration, and carrying out tasks, poor ability to organize, construct or plan actions, activities, reasoning, thoughts, etc. There is memory problems, and most of the time, gait is also affected, along with urinary and bowel issues. So they become urinary incontinent, bowel incontinent, and um, with stroke or vascular dementia, they also may have concomitant stroke-related depression, and apathy, slow thinking, difficulty in analyzing, you know, the analytic, analytical skills are going away. As confusion progresses, agitation can also be seen, some become so restless because, you know, of the stroke or because of the secondary effects of stroke because they're not able to move correctly now or get up and go like they used to do before. Upset, angry, have mood swings and may be misdiagnosed as anxious or psychotic and so on. A major risk factor is irregular heartbeat as well. Example, atrial fibrillation, where blood clots can be formed and thrown into the circulation system ending up in a stroke of the affected part of the brain. Commonly seen in the elderly, it's best to be evaluated properly in order to prevent such. So these are some of the things that we just um, discussed, and there are many more. To determine whether an older adult might have dementia, what are some things a healthcare professional would do? Good question, Shruti. Thank you for asking. We all know prevention is better than cure, and this works most of the time, only if done in the correct time, or I must say, uh, done in the right time, at the right time. Uh, aside from genetic reasons or hereditary causes, dementia can be prevented to much extent. 
family history is essential here, though we're not talking about familial genetic conditions or gene types. Maintaining a healthy lifestyle, blood pressure, controlling carbohydrate intake, eating nutritious meals, uh, which are wholesome and balanced, eating meals on time, eating uh, at least two square meals a day in proper portions, controlling blood sugar levels, quitting smoking and, and you know, alcohol, avoiding hard liquor, uh, avoiding drugs, including, um, we'll talk about marijuana here as well, because no research has been done enough to show that marijuana is safe for the brain. Getting good regular physical exercises, activities that trigger heart rates and increase blood flow to the organs is important. Exercise has benefits beyond mental health as well. Having regular annual visits and a comprehensive exam to catch things at the earliest level or prevent them is also important. Controlling, um, you know, cholesterol levels, maintaining thyroid levels, healthy vitamin B12, D, vitamin um, levels, folate levels, and hemoglobin levels. And maintaining your renal function, liver function, etc., is also critical, including your balance of electrolytes in your body. So in a gist, uh, what, we, uh, what somebody would do is a comprehensive geriatric examination, a CT scan of the brain or an MRI of the brain uh, without, without um, uh, a complete uh, blood panel checking for infections, hemoglobin levels, basic metabolic profiles, checking for renal function, electrolytes, thyroid function, um, blood sugar levels, screening for depression using the geriatric depression scale. Uh, for example, I know there are others out there as well. A screening for cognitive impairment using an MMSE or SLUMS or others out there. A screening for vision and hearing, asking questions on nutrition, including uh, checking on the taste factors because elderly do suffer from loss of taste buds or taste sensations. So they may not be able to smell, taste, hear, see, and so on. Financial health questions, since finances may guide the above, and including factors that must have to be treated and are changed in order to help an elderly individual. Because without proper finances, care is difficult. A thorough exam of the feet, including sensory impairments or components, to make sure gait and physical capabilities do not show signs of any decline. Speech and language testing, including swallowing in some cases. A complete detailed history from a family member that is a caregiver or caretaker or is in close proximity to the person is also very, very important in my own perspective. And this is what I actually really followed in my first company. Sometimes genetic testing might be needed to determine, but it's all um, guided by insurance companies these days, you know, and most of them may or may not pay for such testing. And sometimes these testing is looked at as futile because what would you do knowing or not knowing? A psychiatric uh, evaluation might be necessary if the physician is concerned about personality disorders or other underlying disorders like schizophrenia, bipolar disorders, schizoaffective disorders, being coexistent or the reasons for the behavioral patterns. A neurological examination is also included in the comprehensive geriatric examination usually. A thorough history and physical review of medications, prescribed medications, 
over-the-counter medications, nutritional supplements people are taking, and much more. An alcohol screening must be necessary and should be done. Tobacco and drug use questionnaires are necessary and should be done and are critical. Reviewing data and details from other specialists is helpful to understand the comorbid risk factors or conditions or diseases that may potentially lead to dementia in the elderly. There are many more, and I will leave it to your imagination because a thorough history taking can reveal the path one must take to decipher the causes of dementia or perhaps the stages of dementia. There is no cure for Alzheimer's disease or vascular dementia, but there are medications, treatments, and strategies that help. When caring for someone with dementia, what are some points that you would like to mention? Yes, Shruti, there are no permanent life-altering cures for Alzheimer's or the dementias, like vascular dementia, Parkinson's, Huntington's, frontal lobe, dementia of Lewy bodies, uh, and so on. Most treatments are directed towards chemical imbalances or potential symptoms, both physical and non-physical. Cognition-based medications are cholinesterase inhibitors like donatizole, galantamine, uh, rivastigmine, or uh, mimantine. And mimantine, um, in fact, works differently. Others include medications to replenish the you know, chemical stores in the body, like levodopa and so on for uh, Parkinson's disease. While genetic treatments are unavailable in most cases, treatments towards the symptoms are available. So physical therapy for gait issues, falls, and balance, speech therapy for swallowing speech issues, and making sure that the person does not choke or aspirate on foods leading to aspiration pneumonitis, and so on, hearing treatment through hearing aids, vision through visual aids, use of cane, walker, wheelchair, um, for uh, the gait impaired. There are newer drugs and they're also called disease modifying drugs, but they're not completely reversing, uh, um, but they're not uh, medications that will reverse the disease. We will not be discussing those as research is still going on. And for moderate to severe disease, an N-methyl D-aspartate antagonist called Namenda or Mimantine is prescribed. This wor drug works very differently from the previous ones I just mentioned because it regulates the glutamate and not the acetylcholine. Some of them are available in combinations like the donetizil and Mimantine is available in one combo form and the medications can sometimes be in a patch form similar to rivastigmine. Uh, details can be gotten from your local pharmacist in your local countries. Some of the other treatments have been mentioned like lifestyle, blood pressure, sugar maintenance, taking medications on time, eating healthy, avoiding smoking, alcohol, drugs, and so on. I would include more strategies in this scenario and would like to point the viewers to our blog section in our product website. There is something for everyone and most of your questions uh, including strategies for these, have been answered previously by me through the blogs. So the answers will be found there if you just go ahead and check those blogs. I would also suggest uh, seeking help from your healthcare professionals and local authorities on mental health uh, for information pertaining in your own country of residence. Dr. Purnima, what role can Mahiga play in all of this? 
Thanks for asking, Shruti. This is a good question. You know, Myiga can play a major role in this. We are not only a resource for finding and availing and booking the most trusted senior living and cares, but also a powerhouse of knowledge, education, empowerment in the form of our blogs, newsletters, podcast episodes. And coming soon are more surprises. We built Myiga for all, for a provider, consumer, our elderly, and for also the people who are caring for elderly and who are involved in the care of the elderly. Uh, something for everyone in the world of geriatrics, geriatric medicine, geriatric health, and geriatric care. In other words, elder world or world of elderly. On a product platform, one can find great living homes where your elderly might want to live, retire, or get care. Or you may, maybe you would like something like that for your own elderly parent, grandparent, family member, etc., friend, or even a neighbor. So be sure to check out all our resources and search uh, your uh, the homes through our website. Myiga mission, vision, values, and goals can also be found in the product website. They are very clear and substantial, and we are here for all. Nothing is too stupid or simple to be asked. We are here to support you, empower you, and guide you in your journey of elder caring. When elderly care is of concern and you don't have the answers. So thank you for inspiring us and we hope to reach out to you in all the continents of this world with many, many new surprising topics in the upcoming episodes. Dementia care or memory care is unfortunately difficult and caregiver crisis can set in easily. We would like to let you all know that we are here for you. Please reach out to us with any questions you may have and we will be happy We'll be excited to direct you with the right answer in the right direction through the right resources. My Higa has a major role to play in this as our world of geriatrics continues with nearly 3.1 billion expected to be over 65 in the years to come. Aged are a growing population and unfortunately, dementia is true, as is Alzheimer's and other dementias. How can additional health problems in older adults uh, with dementia be managed? Good question, Ashwati. A lot of health problems can occur along with dementia and elderly. As I spoke, they are called secondary to dementia or can be primary conditions or diseases. So the dementia patients can simply have dementia or have multiple problems and dementia being one of them. Here are some ways. Make sure to understand the elderly's health completely. This is very, very important and is the first step in healthy living for your elderly. They may or may not have more than one dementia. Sometimes two or more dementias can coexist and dementias can coexist with other conditions as well. Who manages the medications? How often do they have to take? Are there any duplicates? Are there any drugs interfering with the other? How many over-the-counter drugs are in their cabinets or lying around the house? Are these including the layout of the home or the room? Who pays for these medications? Are they refilled correctly on time? How is the nutrition? Are they getting an, an adequate balanced diet? Are they underweight, emaciated, cachectic, failing to thrive or overweight or having nutritional problems including gait issues from B12 deficiency. 
How is their heart health? Is everything being taken care of? How is their cholesterol level? How is their diet? How many meals do they take per day? How does their pantry look or their refrigerator look? Do they all contain frozen foods or canned foods or salty foods? How many fresh foods are there? Are they having a balanced diet daily at all, all meals? How many meals do they have? What about their gait? Is it normal? Do they have arthritis, post-stroke contractures, or uh, at high fall risk, um, or maybe need some rehabilitation regularly and exercise to follow up? How is their muscles or musculature? Do they have weak muscles, strong muscles? Are they contracted? Do they have difficulty with movements? Do they have difficulty with proprioception and tactile stimulation? Balance. How is their liver health? Are they drinking too much alcohol? How is their kidney health? How is their urination and bowel patterns and habits? How was their last examination with their doctor? What needed to be changed? Are, are they up to date on vaccinations and immunizations? What was not addressed? Have they followed up on tests, appointment, and screening? Are they continuing the treatments and recommendations on time? Have they had swallowing problems? Have they had a bout of pneumonia recently? Could this be aspiration pneumonitis versus a community-acquired pneumonia? Are they current or compliant with the requirements for vaccinations and immunizations according to the age and age and conditions and country? How much exercise do they get daily? And what types of exercise are they doing? Have they had a fall? How many times have they had a fall? How frequently are they following? What types of fall? What are the results of the get up and go test? Has their physician done that test for them before? We must know that additional problems management is based on an individual and cannot be duplicated or replicated. Each person is unique and hence are their course of actions. Personalized care is a must in geriatric medicine and must be tailored to one's needs or halves of the elderly. I must also conclude, you know, it's been a, a long journey answering these questions, that having a will, a trust, a power of attorney for finances and healthcare designated is important as it is part of the treatment plan as well. Most of the time, the elderly with memory loss are unable to make decisions and manage things, and hence in having an oversight through the rightfully designated party is very essential. We must conclude that including caregivers and elderly at an office visit like I used to does help bring much clarity and solutions-based conversations. Since communications and transparency are difficult to have when the patient is you know, mentally challenged and the physician and healthcare professional are trying to get answers out of this mentally challenged patient or person. It's a lot of stress on that person, so why not unburden them by uh, inviting their caregivers and powers of attorney or family members? Hence, mental capacity and mental capability must also be known before embarking on a zealous meetup with an elderly. Elderly deserve the care they need, and we deserve to treat them the way they should be treated. No care is feudal care. No age is feudal care. And we must respect and know that boundary. Not all elderly qualify for end-of-life life care just because they were diagnosed with dementia, Alzheimer's, vascular dementia, 
or any kinds of dementia perhaps. In my career, I have seen thousands of uh, patients and elderly live their life simple pleasures, even if they had cognitively declining health. And my higa, even if they had cognitive issues. Let cognitive issues not deter us from treati treating our elderly the way they should be, nor deter the elderly and the families seeking the care that they should be seeking. So management also includes understanding our boundaries, biases, incompatibilities, and working towards a common goal. For our listeners, if you or someone you know needs help, feel free to get in touch with us through our website. Thank you much, Shruti, for bringing up this topic today. My Higa is revolutionizing the world of ger geriatric medicine and care through technology. Our website is uh, www.myhiga.com or www.myhyge.com. Thank you so much for talking about this, top, uh, this topic, Dr. Purnima, and sharing so much information with me and the listeners. I am glad that we picked up this topic for today's episode. And to all our dear listeners, if you want us to discuss any of the topics or answer your questions, please get in touch with us on one of our social media platforms and we would certainly create an episode to address those. We are committed to celebrating aging as one of life's simple pleasures on Mahiga. Our email is contact at myhiga.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you in the form of questions, reviews, and a lot more. Here's wishing all our listeners health, wealth, and Mahiga. We look forward to connecting once again with our new episodes next week. Thank you all for listening. We are grateful you joined us in our pursuit to celebrate aging globally with Mahiga. You can explore our blogs. They are free to read and easily available on our website, www.myhiga.com. Sign up for our special newsletter, Discover Senior Living with Mahiga for exclusive content.